It was a Sunday morning when one mom was making pancakes for her two sons. And they started to fight over who would get the first pancake. Well, the mom thought this would be a great teachable moment. So she said, boys, don't argue over the pancake. If Jesus were here, he'd say, let my brother have the first pancake. And the mom was pleased when the oldest son's eyes kind of lit up with understanding. And he turned to his younger brother and he said, you be Jesus. That didn't happen between me and my brother, but it very well could have, couldn't it, Mom? Yeah, that's not something that might happen between us. You don't have to teach a child to be selfish, do you? No, we, we learn pretty early on how to master the art of looking out for number one and, and serving ourselves and our own needs. Thinking of others, on the other hand, being kind and helpful. These are things that can take a lifetime for some of us to master. This morning, we've honored men and women who have certainly mastered the art of selfless, sacrificial service through the trials of combat or the rigors of military training. We as a church also pray regularly for missionaries and other Christians around the world who have so much to teach us about forsaking ourselves for the cause of Christ. Because if we were honest, we recognize that our innate tendency is to drift toward an inward focus, individually, as families, even sometimes as a church. We, we tend to ask, what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? Where's my recognition? Now, this sermon series that we're in the middle of is all about breaking out of the mold of the world around us and mastering the art of being unordinary. Now, Peter writes in his first letter about how we are to be different from the unbelievers around us who do not know or obey the Word of God. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he writes this, that you, he's talking to us as Christians, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of the darkness and into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from the sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. We have been chosen out of this world so that we can point the people in this world to God. To the God who made them, who loves them, who came to save them. And that can only happen as we allow God's Word to renew our minds and His Spirit to transform our lives the way we think and speak and act. A few weeks ago we talked about worship that breaks the mold of our self-centered, consumeristic culture. Worship isn't for me. It's not about me. And so I have to worship God with all that is within me, all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. But my worship should also love my neighbor as much as I love myself. There's both an, an upward perspective, but also an outward expression in our worship. We don't worship God in isolation. We worship God in community with each other. And that means at times, I have to put other people's needs before my own. That means that even in my worship, I have to be willing to be selfless and sacrificial for the sake of others. Whenever God speaks to you in worship, 
Did you know that He always expects you to share that truth with someone else? Did you know that when God blesses you, He always expects you to in turn bless someone else? When you receive God's forgiveness, He expects you to forgive others. When you're comforted, God expects you to comfort others. Do you see a pattern here? I'm not the end goal. I'm just a vessel through which God is moving and working and speaking and blessing the world around me. And that's why Paul writes to the church in Galatians. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to focus just on two verses. We'll have other verses to read, but, but here's the main two verses we're going to focus on. Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Brothers, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You for the reading of Your Word. We thank You for the truth that it is to our lives. And we thank You that we're here together to hear what You have to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, even the gifts of God's grace, gifts like forgiveness, eternal life, Spiritual freedom. Paul is saying that these very gifts can go to our heads. They can swell our egos. If we're not careful, they can make us self-centered and rob us of the very things that they were meant to give us. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. The fruit of the Spirit. If we're not careful, we can, can get so happy and holy that we're no, we're no good. I heard somebody say, don't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Sometimes we can be that way. And that's why Paul warns us not to use our freedoms and God's grace for self-indulgence. So he gives us the antidote for our self-centered tendency to focus inward on ourselves. And that antidote is to serve. Serve one another in love. Service is a gift of grace. Because it can help us to balance our inward focus with an outward focus. Now both statistics... And I've studied a lot of this in my doctoral work. Both statistics and Scripture tells us that a healthy, growing, vibrant church is an outwardly focused church. It's not a church that is just consumed with maintenance and keeping its members happy. It's a church that is turned and focused out into the community. It's marked by an outward focus. And that means that 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 kind of church is missional. It's evangelistic. It's involved in blessing the community. Now, I was thrilled to see these very ideas mentioned in our listening session a couple weeks ago. Those of you that came that Sunday afternoon, many people mentioned how proud they are that our church is so involved in the community. I'm proud of that too. How our church strives to reach out to others. Words like missional or on mission, witnessing, making disciples, these were mentioned at several tables. That that made me happy to see that. So how does a church like ours grow in being outwardly focused? Well, it doesn't happen from the pulpit. It doesn't happen from the church office. It doesn't even happen through programs and ministries. It happens when the members who make up the church develop an outward focus. It's when you and I begin to look beyond ourselves to those around us in our community and the world. Now, when I think of our church, I see a lot of outwardly focused service. Trunk or treat. The Easter egg hunt. The drive through nativity. Mission McDuffie. Upward basketball. 
Vacation Bible School. All of our mission trips to, to Baltimore or to Honduras or to West Virginia. The bicycle ministry. The women's shelter basket ministry. The angel tree gifts to foster children. Backpacks for Appalachia. Operation Christmas Child shoe boxes. I could go on. Now, does this mean that our church has arrived at being outwardly focused and we don't have any work to do in that area? No. We have plenty of work to do, but I think we have much to be thankful for, and I think we've got a lot to build on to become a church of disciple-makers and difference-makers in McDuffie County and the world around us. But what I want to focus on this morning is our individual commitments to serve. Now, last week we looked at having a gospel worldview. We said that God created and loves all people, but all people are broken. And we're separated from that God of love because of our sins. But in God's love and mercy, Jesus came to right our wrongs, to make us whole, to purchase our pardon, to restore us to a right relationship with God. And once restored in that right relationship with God, He gives us a mandate to go into all the world and to preach the gospel, to tell other people that good news, and to make disciples, people who are going to know, love, and follow Jesus. And we must do this with a sense of urgency because life is short and eternity is long. And Jesus Christ is going to come back to judge the living and the dead. So when we see people in need, And we serve them, whether that's giving them a basket or a box or a bicycle. When we see people and we minister to them in their need, it's not just to make them feel good or to give them comfort in the here and now. It's so that they can come face to face with the love of Jesus Christ so that they can be saved and made right with God for now and for all of eternity. That's why we do what we do. Serving is a very important tool in our disciple-making toolbox. And it's a vital way in which we can live out a gospel-centered worldview like we talked about last week. Jesus said in Mark 10, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. So we have a choice. We can be selfish or selfless. Self-centered or other-centered. Inwardly focused or outwardly focused. Will our lives be about serve us or service? That's the choice that every one of us has to make in our hearts. Now, let's, let's go back to Galatians 5.13. Break this down discover how we can begin to master this art of serving. And the first thing that Paul addresses here is who we are. And he says that we are free. We are free. Now, have you ever thought about your identity as someone who is called to freedom? Because it's not just our identity as Americans. Listen, long before those 13 colonies declared independence from imperial England, Jesus Christ came to declare our independence from the empires of this world. From the reign of sin in our hearts, Jesus came to set us free eternally. That's who we as Christians are called to be. But this calling to freedom isn't a calling to chaos. It's not a calling to make up our own rules. We're called to be free from sin, from selfishness, and from Satan's lies. But it also means that we're called to be free from religiousness. From the idea that we have to earn our own way into heaven. Now see, the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the Jewish people and the Jewish people in Jesus' day, they misunderstood the law of Moses. And they began to, to follow that law out of sense of duty and obligation as a way to earn their way to God. And in so doing, they actually became enslaved 
to that law. And, and they were bound to it with, with, as, as, as by chains. When people do good deeds, when people serve in order to earn their salvation, is that something that's done out of love? Are you serving other people out of love or out of self-interest? It's self-interest. Listen, these, these other religions and cults where these people are going out and knocking on doors and they're trying to do all these good deeds and they're doing it so they can earn their way to heaven. They're not doing it because they care about your eternal destiny but their own. We as Christians, though, that's backwards. I don't serve in order to earn God's love. I serve because I have God's love already. He's given it to me as a gift of grace. I don't do it so that I can be accepted by Jesus. I serve because I'm accepted by Jesus already. We serve because Jesus served. We love because Jesus loved. We forgive because Jesus forgave us. It all begins and ends with Jesus. So when I serve someone, I'm not serving out of some sense of guilt. Nor am I serving to get anything else from God. When I serve, I serve because I'm set free to serve. Paul goes on to tell us then who we were. Who we are is free. Who we were is we were slaves to sin. We were slaves to sin. And Paul warns us that even followers of Jesus have to be on guard against that sinful nature that's still waging war with the Spirit of God within us. In another letter in 1 Corinthians, Paul gives us a list of the sins of the flesh. He just kind of starts listing all these different sins. And then Paul says this, And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. You see, if you're a Christian, your identity is no longer in your past mistakes. It's no longer in your sins and in your moral failings. When you give your life to Christ, you're not just some old sinner anymore. You're a saint. Now listen, you may be sitting there thinking, now David... I mean, I love Jesus and I'm a Christian and all, but I'm no saint. Well, listen, this is one of those areas in which our mind needs to be renewed. We need to understand from the Word of God that to be a saint doesn't mean you're holier than thou. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you're some kind of a super Christian. To be a saint means that you are separated by God from the world. You've been called out of His darkness and into His marvelous light. You've passed over from death into life. And if that's you, then you are a saint. Because you've been set apart, called out by God to be different than the world around you. You are light in the darkness. You are the salt of the earth. You are a saint. I heard a story this past week that illustrates my point. A little boy asked his dad what a saint was. His dad didn't know how to answer that question, so he thought, well, I'm going to take him over here to the cathedral. Nearby, So they went to the cathedral and he pointed him to all these beautiful stained glass windows of all these, you know, people from church history and in the Bible. And and he said, son, those are saints. And the boy went around looking at those and and, and noticing how beautiful they were and how the sun just just shone right through each of those individuals. And he turned to his dad and he said, dad, now I know what a saint is. The saints are the ones who let the light shine through them. That's what a saint is. Someone who lets the light of Jesus Christ shine through them. And so when we break out of the world's mold to be unordinary followers of Jesus, then we become something entirely different than we were. We are called to freedom, not freedom to sin, because that's not freedom, that's slavery. 
We are called to live and to love and to serve in freedom. And that's the key. That's how we can resist falling back into that self-centered mold of religiosity, do-gooding, and of self-indulgent sinfulness. The solution is what we are supposed to do. Paul says we are to serve in love. That's how you maintain that freedom. That's how you keep yourself from getting duped by Satan to believe that who you were is who you are. Is when we continually look beyond ourselves to serve those around us in the love of Jesus Christ. And I want to briefly share some of the ways serving in love can help us to live as free people and to keep us from conforming to the world's pattern. The first is serving reminds me that I'm free. Serving reminds me of everything that I've just said. When I adopt an attitude and lifestyle of service... Listen, it becomes a great filter to me. It helps me maintain my priorities. It helps me to maintain margin in my life. Living a lifestyle of service forces you to slow down and simplify. It forces you to say no to some of the really good things you could do so that you can say yes to the great things that God would have you to do for Him and His kingdom. Service also frees me from the world's idea of greatness. You may remember the story when Jesus' disciples, they were walking along the road and Jesus overheard them arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I can just imagine Jesus hearing that and just shaking his head. How are these people ever going to get it? And so Jesus stops and turns to them and he says this. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them? Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. You see, service frees us from the world's brand of authority and greatness. It's based on manipulation and power and control. As I reminded our newly ordained deacons last week, being a a servant in the kingdom of God isn't about a title. Being a deacon isn't about a title. It's about a towel. It's about serving. It's about humbly bowing down to even wash someone's feet. That's where our authority in Christ is found. So serving reminds me. It reminds me that I'm free. It helps to to keep me from being enslaved to the world's ideas. But secondly, serving reminds me that I'm accepted. I'm accepted. It's all about grace. As I said, I serve out of a a sense of self, not not a sense of self-righteousness to earn God's favor because I already have God's favor. Rather, I serve out of my relationship with God. I serve because I want to pass on God's blessings to others. I serve because I want to express to God my gratitude for all the ways that He has been so good to me. Galatians chapter 6, Paul goes on to say this, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. See, when I serve someone else, when I'm actively seeking to meet their needs, it reminds me that I too have needs. And it reminds me that I'm not able to really meet my own needs. I am totally dependent on my good shepherd. I'm totally a recipient of God's grace. I don't deserve a single good thing that He has done for me. Yet He accepts me just as I am. Just think about this. God knows everything you've ever thought, said, or done. He knows the thoughts and intentions of your heart, and yet He still loves you. You're accepted. And when I serve, it reminds me, I'm accepted. Not because of what I have, not because of what I can do, but simply because Jesus loves me. Another thing that serving does is it keeps me humble. 
That kind of goes right along with this idea of being accepted. That it's nothing that I've done. There's nothing in and of myself deserving of God's grace and mercy. Richard Foster, the, the, the great writer about spiritual disciplines, he wrote this. He said, of all the classical spiritual disciplines, service is the most conducive to the growth of humility. Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service. And nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. See, through service, we are crucified with Christ. We put to death our selfish desires along with our pride and our arrogance. And this is what Jesus was exemplifying in the upper room the night that He was betrayed. Let's look again at our, at our New Testament reading in John chapter 13. Jesus said, beginning in verse 12, Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. But then look what he says. He says, but now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. So here Jesus is. He took on this, this, this humble uh, attitude and posture of the lowest slave. It was the lowest ranking slave or servant in a household that was tasked with washing feet because it was such a filthy, nasty chore that nobody wanted to do. And here Jesus, their master and Lord, he's the one who said, I'm going to wash your feet. And it embarrassed Peter. You know, Peter at first resisted because it just didn't seem right to him that his Lord would be washing his feet. Jesus says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And then he goes on to tell us, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And it's by this, it's by our service to one another in love that all the world will know we belong to Jesus. It's not that fish bumper sticker eating another fish with feet. That's not what shows the world that you're a Christian. It's not your, your Jesus t-shirt. It's not, that's not what shows that you're a Christian. What shows that you're a Christian is that you're serving others in love. It's not how good you are at Bible trivia. It's, are you serving others in love? And this kind of service, it brings joy. It makes me joyful. Joy is mentioned 14 times in the book of Philippians, which is why Philippians is often called the epistle of joy. And I just want to read to you, we've, we've read this passage so many times, but it is so important for us and for our world today, and I, don't th I think we could read it every day, and we still wouldn't quite get it all the way. But Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 2, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And he tells us that this is the same attitude that Jesus had. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a long way from mastering the art of thinking about other people and their interests ahead of my own. Anybody else can join me in that? We've got to work on this, mastering this art every single day. And Paul says that that is the key to joy. The key to joy is humble, selfless service. Jesus said that it is more blessed to give than to receive. 
And when we allow ourselves to be the hands and feet of Jesus, we get to experience God work through us to meet someone else's need. We get to experience God work through us to bless someone else, to share His truth, to lead someone to faith in Jesus Christ and transform their lives. And I'm telling you, there's no greater joy than that. If you want to know real joy, open yourself up to God's Spirit and offer yourself to be His hands and His feet and His mouth and wait and see what God does through you. It will bring you joy, I guarantee it. What if we made a commitment for the rest of this year and all of next year to literally put others before ourselves? To make that our number one goal every single day. What if you prayed every morning, Jesus... As it would please you, bring me someone to serve today. What if we prayed that every morning? And what if we tried to spend at least two hours every week serving others? And that could be here through the church. It could be through working in the nursery, helping with children's church, cleaning up your Sunday school class, fixing a bicycle, packing a shoebox, helping build sets at drive through nativity, helping build wheelchair ramps on a, set on a Saturday morning. Maybe for you it's writing letters of encouragement. You know, we've got this card-making class that started up. What if you said, you know, I'm going to make cards and send them to people that I know need a word of encouragement, need a blessing. Maybe you could bake some bread and take it with you to visit one of our homebound members or someone in the hospital or, or a family that's been visiting our church. Maybe you could volunteer at one of our schools to read and be a mentor. Take a welcome basket to a new neighbor. Get creative. Get creative. Listen, you can go to Pinterest and type in ways to serve, and I tell you, you're going to be blown away with all the creative things you can do. And, and, and finding a creative way to serve has got to turn out better than trying to bake a, you know, a certain character cake. Those things always never turn out right. You know, cake pops, they always look horrendous. But I guarantee you, it's easy to serve. Involve other people. Get your family to help you. Do something together as a family, as a Sunday school class with your coworkers. I wonder what would happen in your life if you began to master the art of serving. How would it change your family? How would it change our church? How would it change our community? I think it would be revolutionary. I don't think we can begin to capture what it would do to this world. I'm going to close with this. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 7-10, through 10, Paul writes, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. If we sow the seeds of service, Paul says we will reap a spirit-filled life for ourselves and eternal life for others. Paul says we will receive a harvest if we don't give up serving others in Jesus' name. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. He came to offer His life a ransom for many. He came to offer His life a ransom for you. Have you received that free gift of grace? Have you come before Christ and confessed to Him your need of a Savior, of forgiveness and new life? Have you received that 
that grace of God that, that transforms us and makes us more and more into the image of Jesus. If you've not, then I invite you to come this morning here in just a moment. Today can be the day that you receive the greatest act of service the world has ever seen. And that's the love of God through Jesus Christ. Maybe this morning God is calling you and your family to join this church. That this is the place where God would have you to serve. Maybe God is calling you into full-time Christian service. Or maybe there's just some specific area that you know you need to be better at serving. And you just need to surrender and say, God, I want to have the kind of attitude David talked about. I want to get up every morning praying, Lord, how can I serve today? Whatever God has spoken to you, I pray that you would come. And that you would obediently answer him. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we thank You for the love that Jesus Christ showed us through His selfless service on the cross. And I pray if there's anybody here today that doesn't know You as Lord and Savior, they would come this morning and receive that beautiful, indescribable gift of grace. That today could be the day that their life starts over brand new with a fresh slate. But however You're speaking to people's hearts, I pray they would respond by doing good to all people as they have opportunity, Lord. Help us not to grow weary in doing good. In the name of Jesus we pray.